1: This is one of those times when my education in both counseling and organizational psychology, as well as my many years of experience working with clients who are working together, all dovetails perfectly. If you wanna have a successful business with your partner while also having an awesome personal relationship, today's episode is made special for you. Stay tuned to hear about my top five rules for couples who work together. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship Maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back, you're here. Hello, hello. I'm hoping the sound is okay. If you're watching me on YouTube, you're gonna notice that I don't have any couches anymore. There's no couches behind me, uh, which is also making the room a little echo echoier. What well, I'm not sure what that word is, than it usually is. Um, my, my wonderful, my son went off to college. We, he has actually left the house. We, he has moved out. And uh, if you get my weekly love letter, you heard all about that and my uh, the love letter's a place where I talk a lot about my personal life. And it's really though just meant to be inspirational each week for folks to, um, I don't know, you know, hear from me and hopefully get your week started off in the right direction. If you haven't signed up for the love letter yet, you can do that on the website, it's right on the top. It just, you know, abbymetcalf.com, right on the top. It says Abby's weekly love letter. Um, I of course don't share that list with anyone. Um, and I uh, don't like it's not some, you get one a week. That's all you get. Occasionally, if I am selling something new, I offer I do offer discounts there. So if you you know that happens, but that's pretty rare. I, you know I, I don't I don't put out products every week or something. So I'm not one of those people who's gonna just email you 20 times when you sign up. <laughs> um, I don't like when that's done to me, so I don't do it to others. I know, crazy, right? So there you go. Um, I'm excited about this topic because, so this was suggested, I'm gonna give a little shout out to Ada from Poland who wrote in, I love that my podcast (laughs) is in so many countries. It makes me so happy. and uh, being Polish myself, I was very excited to hear from the motherland. Uh, so, but so when this was topic was suggested, you know, and it's been suggested not just by her but by many people over time, I thought, you know, I, I'm actually this is an area I'm really qualified to address. Um, in my private practice, there was a time when I almost thought I was going to only work with. Uh, people who were in business together, couples in business together. There was a small period there where I thought maybe that's where I'll kind of niche down. But um, so I have done that quite a bit, but. I, you know, I see all kinds of people and I like that. And I also see individuals and all that good stuff. If you ever do wanna work with me, um, there's a Let's Connect page on the website, which explains my pricing and all the things that you would need to know to work with me. So please always go look there first. That's just where I'm gonna send you if you write it. <laughs> if you email me and ask, start asking questions, I'm just gonna send you there anyway. I try to answer all the questions there. Okay, so let's talk first about the stats on, the statistics on couples who work together, right? We gotta talk about that first. So I'm gonna tell you my creative process here for a moment. Whenever I'm creating something, doesn't matter what, when I, I, the first thing I do is I, I I sit down first and write down all of what I think and know about the topic. You know, so when this came up, right, I sat down I thought, oh, what are the things I always tell couples? What are the things that um, I, I, I've seen work over and over, over the years? After that, I go look at what the research says or what other people are saying. And then I meld that all together. You know, I try to uh, make sure that what I'm presenting is again research backed and uh what happened is I'll tell you this there there's not much research out there about couples who work together there's really not um and a lot of what i found was contradictory you know like you should have boundaries no you shouldn't you should do that's old school you know all the all these different things and so i can only tell you what i have seen work for my clients and what i 've used from the research I know, so having said that, so uh, there's a guy, uh, Glenn Muskie. I hope I'm saying his name right sorry he's a professor at North Dakota State University who's been studying couples who started business together for about twenty years and i he i I think his stuff is solid, and I've incorporated some here, and he calls these couples copreneurs i've heard that in many different areas uh, or many different places. People use that term copreneurs um And he's found that about two thirds of businesses in the US are family owned and about one third of those family owned businesses are run by couples. And, you know, so that's like, that's the US again, but is that a really accurate number? Um, It's hard to say because again, there hasn't been a lot of research. I then of course was starting to look all over the world because people, as I just mentioned, uh, follow the podcast from all over the world. And I will say that Uh, On the show notes page, I will have resources for some, just like one article from kind of each country, sort of, not each country. I I didn't do every country that, that would be 171 that... follow the podcast. But I did like Europe, Australia, UK, you know, I tried to do some sort of main ones. And I did link to some of the articles, if you're interested, I, you know, I don't think it's that exciting. But uh, I did link to that on the show notes page under resources at the bottom. So you can come find that. But uh, I did find a study, it was published, it looks like around 2017, that stated that approximately 1.4 million couples run business businesses together in the uni- in the UK. And then I found an older one um, from I think it was like 2014 that stated about 70% of businesses in Australia are family businesses, but it didn't say what portion of those were couples, so but we have to assume many, right, of that are couples. So it's again really hard to to, to say um and the other problem was i didn't find what i consider like solid research you know me i'm crazy with the research for a lot of the more common scenarios i've run across so yeah there's couples who meet and they go let's start a business together great let's do this thing but i've also worked with couples where one partner started the business and the other came in at a later date um or uh, there's a couple, there's arrangements where let's say one partner owns a business and the other helps out from time to time. And often there's no formal arrangements there. Often there's no pay, uh, or maybe there is pay, but it's like here and there. I mean, I, I've worked with lots of different scenarios. So it's really that, that's why the research for me wasn't always, um, wasn't always applicable. And so I really went deep on what do I really know? And I look back in notes and I, my client notes, you know, what do I really know that has been the tried and true things that have worked for the couples I've worked with over all these years? And I came, and I realized, which was nice, that there were uh, these themes. I, I found about five themes that were the most common for the couples who were telling me, these are the things that worked and turned it around. So that's what I'm going to give you today. So I'm trying to take all kinds of businesses into account, you know, that you might have with your partner. Uh, And if you've got a really large business, you might find some of this rudimentary, but I think there's something here for everyone. So if you're listening, it makes me feel like things aren't working 100%. You or you want to make sure that what you're doing are good practices. So great. We're all we're all here for the right reasons. And then before I get too deep, I want to just say a few things. First, I want to say that being in business together might not be for you. I have worked with couples who were just couldn't stop fighting. It was tearing the relationship apart. And generally when that happens, what, what I see, you know, why is that number one, they haven't done these five rules (laughs) and two, it's often a situation where one person starts a business in the couple and then the partner comes in to help so they can save money and Unless your partner is equally enthusiastic about this business and maybe would have even started the same business on their own, these arrangements that I have found often end up with a partner who's there to support the other one's dream, but they end up feeling resentful that they're not pursuing their own dream or resentful because they don't feel appreciated enough for the sacrifice they're making. You know, there's all kinds of stuff here. They, they feel like they're, they're pitching in, but the other person isn't really listening to their opinion. It, it gets very muddled. So, and you know, you've heard me say before, I I just don't like when any relationships are by default. I don't, I don't like it when people move in together to save money on rent or a mortgage. I don't like that. If I feel like, again, if you were going to move in together anyway and you were planning it and then all of a sudden uh, somebody lost their home or something happened and then you move in that, I'm fine with that. But if, you know, or when they get married, when they weren't planning to, you know, I, I just feel like you should be conscious. These are big decisions. And it's the same way. I don't really want you going into business together to save money. You know to to have free labor. You can just sort of hear that is, right? It's not free. It ain't free. You are pulling things from your family life, from the couple when this energy, when this bandwidth goes to the business. And for some reason, people don't get that. I don't know why, but I'm I'm shout, I'm calling it out right now. So again, if this is your situation any of this, then following these rules should be your top priority and you, listen very closely. (laughs) The second thing I want to say is that just to clarify the podcast itself today, I'm going to be saying at home to denote, you know, your personal life and at work. When I talk about your work life, I understand of course, that you're might be running a business from your home, especially these days post pandemic or still pandemic, but you know what I mean? Uh, But I'm using those terms for your ease of understanding. Okay, that's the language I'll say today. I'll say at home or at work. And that's really just talking about your personal life and your work life, that's it. I don't, it's not a physical place. And then the last little note I wanna state before we jump in is the other big mistake I see is that uh, every business requires startup capital. I I wanna say that. For some reason, people don't always think that. If they're opening a bakery, they get it. They're like, oh yeah, I got to invest money, right? To get it going, I'm gonna have to really, you know, take out a loan or do these things. But for some reason, I found that many, many entrepreneurs I work with don't have this mindset and they're trying to get something off the ground with little or or with no or very little money. And I think that's a big mistake because, you know, to me, you're betting on yourself. And that's the best bet you can make. That is your best bet. So why are you assuming it's not gonna work? That's what people say, well, I don't wanna invest money because it might not work. I'm like, why are you going into any business thinking it might not work? If you really want this and this is your passion and this is something you're excited about and this is what you're doing, then that's what you're doing. I lost money on the podcast for years. Uh, (laughs) You know, I was putting out money making the podcast. I was putting out money for virtual assistants before I really, you know, had anything to sell, before I wrote a book, before I did all that stuff. Um, You know, I hired editors to help me with the book initially, or, you know, to help me come up with the story. Like I hired a lot of people to get me to where I am. And I still use people. I still do that. I have an outside office, you know, yeah, I could use the guest room in my house, but I have an outside office. So I go somewhere all the time. Now, you know, again, you don't have to do all that, but I was betting on myself. And to me, I'm a really good bet, damn it. And so this is why I did it. So I really want you to think, you know, hiring a virtual assistant, even a few hours a week, um, you know, outsourcing what you can, rent an office space or, you know, all the communal spaces, even a day a week. Investing in your business is investing in yourself, okay? So I do just wanna say all of that separately. I'll, I'll touch on that as we talk today, Um, but uh, I want you to be thinking in those ways. All right, so now let's get to my top five rules, my top five rules for couples who work together. And rule number one, and these aren't necessarily in any particular order, Uh, these are kind of how I, I don't know, I just that's why it's not step one, (laughs) it's just rule one. Um, So take that as you will. Rule number one is who's the boss? I'm going to call this rule "Who's the Boss." It is definitely a top priority to clearly divide labor and decide who has the final decision in different areas. A lot of couples have unspoken or you know more casual rules at home. Uh, you know, one of the most common ones probably is if you know whoever cooks dinner doesn't have to clean up, right? I don't know. Even that, you know, I don't think people, most couples have sat down and said, okay, when I cook dinner, you have to, you know, I, it's just sort of happens, right? Or maybe one of you always does homework with the kids while the other is making dinner. You know, you've just, you've fallen into a pattern that at some point you agreed upon either out loud or not, you know, either expressly or by default, but it's really not something that's, you know, formal per se and work can't be this way for it to flourish long term. If you want this business to be a success and grow, you've got to think of it as something scalable. Scaling a business is very important. It doesn't mean that you have to, when I say scalable, it means that it grows and it's to scale. That, you know, when I was creating my, you know, when I left corporate and I'm just doing private practice, I'm thinking, what do I want to do here? What do I want to have? And I knew I was someone who wouldn't be good just seeing client after client, after client, after client, you know, and having all my income from that. It's not what I wanted. So I created things that would be scalable, that would help me grow the business. And again, so in the beginning, I had to put out more money than I was making, right? Uh, Or, you know, more money than was coming in from those particular things, okay? But over time, it really paid off. So even things like, you know, I, was, I, I thought, you know, I wanna do a TED talk. That will help me with my credibility, my social proof in the world, you know? And it would help me help people too. Uh, I wanted to write a book for a lot of those same reasons. I really wanted to reach more people. Um, a, a book really does give you, you know, saying that I'm an I'm an Amazon number one best selling author, opens doors. I'm not gonna. It does. It opens doors. You might be listening now because you found my book or vice versa. That's that's just how it works. So I was again, and I I put out money for things first before, you know, as I was thinking about how to go the business and I was thinking over a few years, I mean, I really, I had a business plan, you know, I have a a business background, so I had a business plan. I knew to do all this. I knew that I had to make choices and put things into place starting the podcast. You know, uh, the first podcast episode had 36 listeners, uh, 78, sorry, 78 listeners. (laughs) I was trying to remember the number. 78 people downloaded, or there were 78 downloads, I should say. That was it you know, and I was amazed with that at the time. I've never advertised the podcast, you know, I just, but that's something I could have done to scale. I could have put money into Facebook ads or whatever, you know, ads on Instagram or something. I could do that, right? I could have paid a PR person. I could, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to scale, but in other words, I set it up assuming I'd be big that I, I have to admit, I never dreamed of all these countries the podcast is in and how successful the podcast has been. I couldn't have even dreamed this up. It's so, I'm living my dream right now. Thank you. I love you. I'm so glad we're here together. Um, I just wanted to help people. I had this mission. I was like, I have to help more people. I i can't, I just need to, <laughs> it just was like this driving force. And I knew no matter what, I was going to want to do that. So. My business has shifted and changed over the years. I'm sure it'll continue to do so, but I treat it like a business, not just like this thing I sort of do for fun. I, I It's scalable. So I want you to think of that in your business. And it doesn't mean you have to get really big and huge. I'm not planning. You know, I've gotten offered larger deals and other things. I, I'm saying no to those things because of the way I want my life to be. And I think I can just, again, I'm betting on myself. I can have that success on my own without having to answer to somebody. So I I don't want to be an employee ever again. So, So, you know, this is what I've done. But again, I'm just betting on myself all the time and I want you to bet on you. I believe in you. If you're excited about whatever this business is that you're doing together, I believe in you. There is so much there's so much in the world. There's not scarcity. Whenever people ask me who my competition is, I kind of laugh. I'm like, I don't have competition. I'm not in competition with anyone. I am not competing with anyone. (laughs) There is someone for everyone. Dr. Phil has an audience. That ain't my audience. These aren't my people and that's okay. Good luck, Dr. Phil. God bless you. Go do your thing. You know, whoever it is, I, they just—we all have a different place in time. There, it's okay, and you might be listening to a f- me and a few other people, and that's wonderful. I love that. I love that there's different ways we can come together. But I don't have to compete with anybody, and neither do you. So, just always keep that in mind. You know, it might be figuring out exactly what your niche is, but you can figure it out. So. At work, you want to have specific roles and responsibilities. And here's what I highly recommend and what I generally have my couples do I want you to create a job description for each role that you're doing and adding to them as you do the work. Because, you know, as you see what's required, you add to those job descriptions. And this helps in a few ways. First, it helps the two of you be crystal clear on the expectations which obviously should be included in any job description. If you look at a job description, it sort of says what you need to have it and then it says what the expectations are, what the job is. And you you want to have that written down. Be, and even if you're wearing one person wearing five hats, lay out what those five hats do. You know, this I I'm doing, you know, if you're doing the social media and you're doing, uh, you're answering the phones, and you're doing something else, that's okay. There should be a social media job description, what happens, there should be a answering the phone, an admin job, what happened, you know, so that when you are deciding things, right, who's the boss, you know, oh, well, I do social media, I have the final say, yes, we can discuss it, we can brainstorm it, but I have the final say. You're crystal clear on um, who's doing what and why, and, You're really deciding later when you do hire, which I hope you do, you have a job description ready. You know how to pull that piece out of what you do and hand it to someone. Because remember, you're scaling, you're growing. So it really, really helps to have these job descriptions and to be super clear on what the different jobs are. And then again, most importantly, one of you should have the final decision in the areas that are under your jurisdiction. Because otherwise, everything is a constant decision-making process and you can it'll make you crazy. It's ineffective. It's why bigger businesses don't do things that way. (laughs) You know, again, treat yourself like a big business. Of course, you can both have input. Of course, you can have meetings where you brainstorm or whatever. That's wonderful. But someone needs to make the final call. You're not always going to have consensus. So you really, you just, it's going to streamline you. It's going to make it easier. And I like I want you to have even, uh, for couples who work together, I like them to have um, even a kind of idea of what's gonna happen if something happens in your home environment, right? So some couples, like if they work outside the home, if a kid gets sick, they'll tag team often, you know? Like, hey, I'll stay home this time, you have to stay home next time, or I have this big meeting I can't miss today, I'll stay home, you know? They sort of do it that way. But when couples are working from, you know, have their own business together, I find that this stuff gets very muddled. You know, if there's a plumber who has to come during the day, if a kid gets sick, you should get very clear about this kind of stuff. Because what happens that I see is that you, someone will say, okay, uh, I have a a sick kid at home and, oh, we'll just tag team today. That's the worst. That is really the worst. (laughs) Please don't try to tag team. Um, again, we know that multitasking reduces efficiency enormously. So you don't want to multitask with a sick kid or with the plumber or whatever. Just take the time off from work. Just, just, Just like you would have had to, if you had a job, you know, uh, if you worked at Google and you had it right, you'd, oh, I have to work from home today. Like I know a lot of people from Google are working home today, but you get the idea. I don't if you work in a factory and you say I have to work from home today, you wouldn't necessarily be your home. You, You can't be in the factory doing work. It's just not gonna happen. And I understand that you can make some calls or send some emails, I get that. But I would do that very reduced. I would reduce that down because this idea that, oh, I'll just work around it or we'll tag team or I'll, I'll do all the same work, but I'm adding more stuff to my plate. I'm adding a sick child. I'm adding a coordinating with you know workers at the house. I'm adding all this stuff. It it doesn't work. You, you can't just keep adding. And I've talked about this so much in previous podcasts, which I will link to in the show notes. And if you Uh, read, you know, the relationship tips and tools, there's always a corresponding blog for every single podcast I, I, I do. So you can go over there and just, you'll see all the links to everything. But basically, you know, I've talked about this, your emotional bandwidth, you can't just keep adding to the plate. It doesn't work that way. You have to take something off the plate when you add, because I know that not one person listening right now is thinking, oh, I got lots of free time, Abby. I got tons of time. I am so not stressed. I am so far from overwhelmed. I'm great. I'm eating bonbons and just hanging around. Yeah, no. You're really already busy. You're already kind of at a max capacity. And then when you throw a sick kid on top of that, or you throw, you know, workers at your house on top of that, or the car broke down and I have to get to the mechanic, the second you throw that one thing on, it's, it's too much. You have to figure out a way to reduce the workload at work for that day. It's it, you just can't keep adding it. It's not cool. I I love you. You're not being kind to yourself. It sucks. And it's funny, I don't think if you had somebody working for you that you would expect that. I really don't. If you were, let's say your business was big and you had, you know, 50 employees and someone said, I got a sick kid at home. I don't think you'd say to them, well, you better do all your work anyway. You know, too bad, you got a sick kid, you better get everything done. I don't think you would say that. I really don't. I think you'd say, oh my gosh, take care of your child, you know, have a good day. Or you might say like, hey, can you, is there any way you can make the 12 o'clock meeting? It's a, it's a real emergency, but other than that, you know, you would be kind. So to not be kind to yourself makes me crazy, all right? So, <laughs> so you know, do, do your best to really understand that this is going to take some of that bandwidth. And that's its own kind of job description. Some of the couples I've worked with have somebody delineated who always does take off if the kids are sick or if something has to happen at home. And that's fine if you have a person you always know. But again, don't just keep piling on the work. Okay. And this bleeds right into rule number two, which is that you need to, I want you to separate work and home hours. And in the, again, many, many years of experience working with couples in business together, I'd say that this is one of the more difficult areas, especially if you both work from home. And so setting up specific hours that are for work and specific hours that are for home is crucial in creating, creating boundaries, balance, efficiency. People don't seem to get this. You're not as efficient when you don't. I want you to decide when the work day begins and ends. That's when does it start? When does it end? This also means that business stuff only gets talked about during those work hours, not on weekends, not on date night, and not in bed. There's got to be some separation so you can switch gears and be present for both worlds. What do I talk all the time about? It is mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. And you can't be fully mindful if you're trying to do five things at once. It just doesn't work that way. And I would say, even if like I check emails later in the day after I'm done in my office, I do, but I I have it scheduled. I have a half hour, I I follow up on the emails and that's what I do. I also time limit it. I'm not just gonna answer emails until they're done. I, 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 I would never be done. I really wouldn't. I just triage and I get to things and sometimes people have to wait and it is what it is. And I know that you think everything you have is an emergency, but it might be, but then you really need to put in more time. You have to say, well, it does take me an hour and a half to answer emails. I have to do this. So I'm not, I'm going to schedule an hour and a half and I'm going to go sit separately, quietly in my office and do this and really get it done. I'm going to set a timer for an hour and a half and I'm going to get it done. It's not, it'll help keep you on point. So you're not just sort of, and I don't even know how long you can answer emails effectively, by the way. This is when we send crappy responses and we get, we're we not mindful. This is when we get angry, when we get, you know, uh, tired and resentful and we don't have good responses. You just don't want to do it. So I don't mind if you break up your workday, if you feel like you just must, although I'd rather you tried to keep it all together if you can, but if you can't, you know, okay. Or if you're just somebody really, you know, I work better in spurts, Abby, I wanna do a couple hours here, a couple, that's fine. But schedule it. Don't just let it kind of roll. And again, cause if that worked, you wouldn't be listening right now. That's the proof of that. You've tried it and it hasn't worked. It has not worked, or you wouldn't be listening. You wouldn't need my stupid rules. You'd be like, I don't need Abby. I know how to do this, right? And I have had some couples argue with me about this one. Okay, and I'll say that. Uh, And they say they love talking about business you know, outside the office, which literally means in your bedroom when your office is down the hall, but you know what I mean? (laughs) But But when I've asked them to humor me and try this, they always, I mean always, I can't think of one couple who hasn't reported back that it's helpful everyone says it's helpful because I want you to think of it this way again I don't want anyone chatting about anything all day long about I don't want you chatting about work all day long in the same way that I wouldn't want you if if you had five pounds to lose and that's all you talked to me about whenever we chatted I'd be annoyed like I'd want to talk about other things or the kids, you know, sometimes couples just will talk about kids nonstop. And it's nice not to. It's nice to go on date night and not talk about the children or logistics or anything else. It's nice to have a break because again, that's what being fully being fully present is. I'm very happy when couples are excited about the business together. That's awesome. And you need time away to think. You gotta rest your brain. You have to just uh have time where you're, you know. going for a run or doing something else. I'm thinking of another couple I have who like to go on a walk and they talk about the business on the walk and they just like to do that together, great. If that's your predetermined thing when you do that, I got no problem. But they, all, the same couple, are great. Where they don't talk about it during dinner. They have an end to the work day, They, you know, they've just prescribed. Hey, when we go for our walk or a run, maybe they run. I can't remember. But when we do that, we're gonna we we talk about the business and it's fun. You know, they kind of brainstorm. They're sort of outdoors. They they really like the energy of it. Great. But you've got to have times where you're doing that and have times when you're not. That that's really what I'm trying to say, say to you the mindfulness is so huge this and it'll absolutely help you be more efficient i promise i promise you know google very famously has you know nap rooms and ping pong and great food and all kinds of other distractions they had a concert by lizzo not that long ago you know it's because they know it helps people think better when they stop thinking about work and get lost in another activity they understand that flow states beget flow states it's it's not just a, a a cute little thing they do or other lots of other companies do this too. It's not just a cute little thing that's done. It's because they know it works. So there's some great strategies and tips from couples I've worked with with how to do this, how to you know set things up, and that I want to share right now. Just a few of them. One is to set up a half hour at the end of every workday. Like if you end the day at five, to set up from four thirty to five that you'll take a break and debrief. Just four thirty five. Again, set a timer. 435, we sit for 30 minutes and we debrief. You might even give each 15 minutes. Set a timer for 15 minutes. Let one person go, the other person goes cuz otherwise again these conversation goes to go to conversations go too long. The other thing you can do for your debrief is stand instead of sit for your debrief at the end of the day. It'll go faster, I promise. Uh and again, you can set this up at the last 30 minutes of the workday, you know, or I have a, uh, another couple I'm thinking of. They like to do the debrief after dinner. So they they end work because they kind of end at different times. And then, um, you know, the, the dinner's made and they, they got kids and they do the kid thing. And then the kids are cleaning up after dinner and they actually go and take a half an hour and they debrief. They just have a little moment to debrief. I love that. Um, I just don't like if it's too late or right before bed or, and again, or I don't like if it's not... Really scheduled, really mindful and deliberate. That's what I want. Um, you can meet every Friday and have a week in review, right? You could do that for an hour if you want, make it part of the workday. You can start every Monday with a 20 minute meeting to say out loud your agreed upon schedule and goals for the week. You can have a big whiteboard there, both of you kind of write everything down, you use that for the week. You know, it could be a big, I have a, another couple who did this. I thought it was brilliant. They just had a big whiteboard in their office and they each had a side on it. And they drew a line down the middle and they would lay out their objectives and goals for the week or what they were agreeing to. I thought it was brilliant. Um, they also had on there just, you know, yes, they had things digitally for each other to see when they were out of the office or had a meeting, but this was kind of like their big uh more overarching stuff so they can kind of look up and keep themselves on track. I love all that. Um, I've talked before about couples creating a happy hour at the end of a workday. I love this. You know, find somewhere to meet. It could be I have a couple who meets on their deck off their bedroom. Um, uh, I have another couple who just meets in the backyard. Uh, I, there's another couple I used to work with used to meet in the jacuzzi. <laughs> Other people go out to physically a bar or somewhere else and they just chat for a while. So, you know, they blow off steam from the day. They really have like a happy hour, like a like a little, maybe they have a cocktail, something, some special treat to eat. They just have this time where where you would have like in a big office where everybody would go meet at the watering hole, you know, to go, you know, blow off some steam from the work week and just bitch and moan or whatever else they're going to do. You can get to do that you know, don't do it about each other maybe, but you know, and just, oh, I got a client early in the week. Oh, it drives me nuts. Yeah, me too. You know, just having that time is a wonderful, wonderful thing where it's prescripted, it's clear, there's boundaries around it. It's brilliant. I love it, love it, love it. Okay. Rule number three. I'd like you to separate as much as possible (laughs) during the workday. I'd le- just, I want you to do your best to have separate places that you work, even at the very least that you have your own desk if you share an office, so you can have a place to make a mess or get organized or do whatever you do. That's just yours. If you both work at home, I want to highly recommend either renting an outside office, like I mentioned earlier, that one of you can use, or having one of you leave the house a couple times per week. You could work at a coffee shop, a local library. Um, there's tons of co-working or shared working spaces these days. They're all opening up again around the world. I but right before this, I googled public working spaces near me. Now, granted, I'm in a very metropolitan area in the Bay Area, but oh my god, <laughs> at least 30 options. Did I just? <laughs> I did that. At least 30 options showed up. They were just there were lists of all these places, and. Again, rent, you know, renting a space even for one day a week to get some separation, a space to really focus fully for a stretch of time, it's really, really crucial. It just helps the muscle memory. It helps everything. It helps you to have a little time apart. It just creates more room to think, you know, to to allow other things to, to be at play. Um, During the day, I I like it if couples can separate for a little bit just to do their work. And again, a lot of times it's very collaborative work and you want to be in the room. Great. Like it's your team, you know, just like you'd have a team at your, at a, at a office, you know, if you went to an office, but i If you can't, you still have to get to work, right? (laughs) So that's, again, where you might separate to do that and then come together to brainstorm and schedule those meetings. Come together for a scheduled lunch every day. I think it's one of the perks of of working together. You know, and if you do stop for lunch, by the way, have lunch, don't talk about work. You know, eat, meditate together, go for a walk, go to the gym, anything to ensure it's a real break. I do wanna say that, okay. Rule number four, to me, is probably the biggest, um, most important. So here we go. And that's to know the answer to three key questions. Okay? I'm going to take a sip. Hold on. It's so big I had to have water. All right.
0: So. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: I'm stretching sorry okay all right there's three key questions and that i need you to answer in detail that will absolutely absolutely create a great working environment um i now i by the way so i've written a free complete guide to effective communication okay again you know just search that on my website complete guide to effective communication that's what it's called i did i it was it's so big i split it into three podcasts so you can also find it that way um it all the thing you you should also read that right so you can effect, communicate effectively but so I'm not going to talk about that here. But what I want to say is that one of the reasons I I've, I've seen that communication falls apart with couples who owns a business together, who own a business together, is that they skip some of the foundational pieces that help businesses run smoothly and productively. And these three questions that's what they that's what they answer. Uh, so, for example, you know, a lot of people they know what their business is. You know what it stands for. Uh, you know we own a bakery we're we're a marketing company for small brands we're we're lawyers who run a real estate law firm we're podcasters who teach other people how to have a successful podcast okay whatever these are i that's great that's what you do right these are all but these are top level descriptions and they don't get underneath enough often is my what i have found and i've worked with super smart people most of the people i work with i think are smarter than me <laughs> And yet, if you don't know, have a business background and you didn't, you know, get an MBA, or even if you did sometimes, I've had MBA people not do this, um, or, you know, have a PhD in organizational psychology like yours truly, you don't real think of this stuff, but it's very, very important because when you don't do this, it breaks, this is what causes breakdowns in communication and expectations. So there are three questions you need to have a full clear answers to. Uh, And if you send in and just pay $50, you can find out. No, I was kidding. Of course, I would never do that to you. Isn't that shitty? I hate when people do that. (laughs) I'm gonna give you the questions right now. (laughs) And then you can go look them up later on the the research tips and tools on the blog if you want. So uh, if you don't wanna write them down right now. So the three questions are, and I'm gonna explain them. Who exactly does your business serve? I know you think that first thing did that, it does not. What's the overall mission of the business and what are your business's core values? Okay. Now I'm going to break this down and make it really clear why this matters. So I worked with a couple, this is a few years ago now, but they were starting, they started a Mexican restaurant together. Okay. Mexican restaurant seems very clear, (laughs) right? It's like, yeah, that's what they do. What do you mean? But when I asked the questions, I'm going to give you like kind of their answers and what happens. So, So I say, right who exactly does your business serve? And the husband said something like, well, people who like Mexican food, right? And the wife said, well, people who like authentic Mexican food, she thought she was really getting down with it, right? And I said, well, that is not it. That is not, this is why you're going to fight later. Okay. This is why you're going to have arguments later because we have a lot of preconceived notions about what both those things mean. And they're not expressly said. So I had some follow up questions. Well, what about people who don't know they like Mexican food? Do, do you want to do anything to entice them in? What about people who like fast food Mexican? Is there a place for them here? More importantly, do you want to attract people who want to sit, relax and drink? Do you want to have pe- attract people who want to have a homey atmosphere? Is that your idea? So they think they're in their grandma's kitchen? Is that what we're going for or someone else's grandma's kitchen? <laughs> do you want your business <clears throat> right? This changes who you serve. So right now the business isn't, we serve authentic Mexican, you know, we serve authentic Mexican food in a home-like environment. So, you you know, you think you're eating in, uh, in, in your grandma's kitchen. You know, that sounds very different to me than something else, doesn't it? It wouldn't that also, when you're trying to create a menu, wouldn't that be infused in a lot of that? Wouldn't that be a lot of how you do your decor? Wouldn't that be a lot about what kind of marketing you do? Wouldn't that, do you see? And this is where people, so someone has in their head what it is, and then the the other partner has in their head what it is, but then they're arguing about how to market, and how to do it, because they haven't gotten clear on this. When you get clear on this, it changes everything. Uh, do you want, you want to business people, do you want to have business people on their lunch break and they need to get out quickly? Or do you want to have parents in the middle of the day? Maybe mom's usually right. Who are, who are home with their kids looking for a place to take their kids and relax, you know, and everybody can eat something while their kids play. Like, what are you doing? That again is going to change things a lot, but people can have in their head. Well, I just want to serve whoever wants to come. I just want to make money. Well, that's not how you make money. We, we, you know, what gets said a lot is the riches are in the niches, and that's what that means, that when you get really clear on who your customer is, then you get really good at serving them. So getting as specific as possible is where you want to go. So I asked a bunch more questions like that to help them get very clear on exactly who they want to serve, because when you're super clear who you're, we call it your avatar or your ideal customer, ideal client. When you're really clear, there's less fighting because there's less misunderstandings between the two of you. You can always come back to what this person, your ideal customer, you know, want would want or like, and you use that as your North Star. I even um, tell people a lot to name that, you know, and this is, it's not me, sorry. It's oft, always said to also name that person and really give them a very full idea. I, it's interesting when people, I, I get a lot of emails from you all, which I so appreciate. I love them. And I get told a lot, oh my God, it's exactly what I needed to save my life, Abby. Uh, you know, you've changed my life. You don't know. And I've heard these truths and I needed to hear them and whatever it was. And my heart fills with joy because... I, I also repel a lot of people. <laughs> There's people who just hate me, hate me. They hate what I do. They think I'm a jerk. Uh, they think, um, uh, whatever they, they've called me all kinds of names. Um, I'm not here for them. So it doesn't matter. You know, I've gotten told before I should you know, my language, I should, you know, I use big words. I am verbose or something. I am not verbose. I do use my vocabulary is, I've had a lot of friggin' schooling. I think you would expect me to have a good vocabulary in English at least. And so I use it. I don't use it to use it. You know, I don't use it, um, you know, to try to be whatever, but if I want to say, you know, that's going to exacerbate a situation, you know, meaning to make it worse. I'm going to say exacerbate because that's the best word to use. I'm not going to stop and go, oh, well, to make some, it's going to make it worse if you do that. You know, I might say that if it feels like the right whatever, but I'm not going to not use the bigger word. What I'm meaning with all this is that I have, you're listening because you're smart you're bright, you want to have research-backed information, you uh, want to have someone who's personable, who you feel like you can connect to, Uh, you kind of want to be sometimes just told what to do, whether you like it or not, you know, and just sort of hear it and not have someone go back and forth. Well, how do you feel? And what do you think about that? And I don't know. You want to have a definite opinion. These are things I do. Again, not for everybody, but the good news is there is, there are other people that are good for that, that You can do that. I can't tell you how, you know how much money I can make if I did a podcast on, uh, I've been told a million times to do this, or on IG, or I'd have a million followers if I did something where I watched The Bachelor and then critiqued it, you know, or watched uh, Real Housewives or whatever and critiqued it. Here's the problem. I don't watch those things. So it would be the most fake thing in the world. Not only don't I watch them, I think they're horrible. I do. I don't think you're horrible if you watch them. God bless you. Go watch. I, I'm If it makes you happy, I'm thrilled. For me, I, I don't like what it's doing to, what I think it's doing to some of our fabric of America or the world. I, I think there's just, again, I'm not going to get on that soapbox, for me, I don't stand I it's I don't stand for what they do. Right? I I don't support what they do. So I'm not going so yes, I could make money. I could be bigger. I could do all kinds of things if I did that, but I don't want to do that. And guess what? There's other people who do it and they love it and they're fabulous at it. I run across it every now and then. I even stop and listen sometimes because I find it fascinating until I just can't listen anymore and I have to stop. But I, and that's good. I don't hate on them at all. I love them. It's great. Again, they're they're making a service for somebody. But if you're so afraid of alienating people, you won't attract anyone either. And so don't be afraid to alienate in your business. It's okay. The clearer you get on who you're here for, the more who you're here for will find you. And especially in this frigging global market we're in, then it's really not a problem. So you've got to, you've just got to think about it for a minute. You really, this, this is your ideal client. This is the one person you want more than anything else. Like, it's funny when I talk, sometimes I want someone who's got a good sense of humor. Uh, you know, like if you're listening, I think you probably have a good sense of humor because you know, we have a little fun together sometimes. That's cool. You're cool. When I take a sip of water and when I, you know, I don't know, cough in the middle and don't edit it out. You're, you know, you're, you're cool. We're cool, we cool, we peeps. And that's a good thing. All right, question number two. You're like, shut up already, Abby, get to the next question. Uh, Too bad, you know I like to explain. Question number two is what's your mission? You you really have to know what the mission is, right? And I asked this couple, what's your mission with this restaurant? And it really then opened up the conversation, especially after we started talking about who these people are, who this person is they want to serve, who these people are. You have to think, is the mission to make money only? That's okay. But if so, how much? That's going to state a lot of who your ideal client is and how you're going to scale and how you're going to make decisions. Is, your, is the mission to create a legacy? You're thinking, I'm not even going to do much. It's going to be a legacy, Right uh is the mission to introduce, you know, for these for this couple, introduce Mexican food to the world. You I mean, you can see how the business plan changes when you ask these questions. Again, you both become very clear on your objective and your goals, which brings you together when it comes to making decisions. I come back to my mission statement all the time, all the time. <clears throat> and Because it's where, it's my true north. It lets me know when I'm like, I give so much for free. This is all free, right? You don't have to listen to a sponsor. You don't have to even do that, right? I sponsor my own stuff. I might tell you about my book or something else sometimes, but you don't have to listen to some commercial halfway through or anything else because I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. And that's my mission is to create world peace. You know it, I've talked about it. I mean it. And, and I, everything is aligned with that. So when I get, you know, suggestions to have a podcast where I charge money or or do other kinds of things, or, you know, not give you the, I'll tell you the big mistake, quote unquote, that I supposedly make in my business and that other people don't do. And hopefully it's why you're listening is you're supposed to give the what, but not the how, that's the big thing they say in business. You give the what, but not the how. So I would tell you what the problem was and what you needed to do, and but not how to do it. And that's what I would sell you, right? That's the idea. You get them to come for the what, and then you sell them the how. And you give them maybe a little taste, but that's it. And then they have to buy to get the how. I don't do that. Um, I give you it all. I give you, I guess, more in other places, right? Like if I, if you get my book, you get it all in one place. You know, it, it's you. but I'm not afraid, like it's my mission and I know if I'm always in line with my mission, I'm doing good things and I don't have to worry, the money comes and it does. It does and it's it has for all, all, all the clients I've worked with. <laughs> That's just how it works. So if you can just trust that, your life will really change. So getting clear on your mission and what you're doing is the second piece. And then the third is when you then incorporate your core values, you really start to see things clearly. You know, we're always honest and upfront. We never try to hide anything or take shortcuts. My, that's one of my values is that I am always honest and upfront. I'm always transparent about what I'm doing. If I wanna make money on something, I'll let you know. If I was, I don't know, if I told you about a product and I was gonna get money, I would let you know. Like, oh, I'm gonna get money if you buy this thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm selling my book. I don't think I say I'm gonna get money. I think you understand you're paying me, but you know what I mean? I am very upfront. The, The love letter that I send out every week is really that. It's meant to be loving. It's part of my mission. I'm planning one day to put all the love letters into a book and create a book, like a chicken soup for the soul kind of book, because I think they're that good. Um, And I do write them in that way where I'm thinking, oh, I could probably put these in a book later and make, you know, and then I would make money from it. Great. Uh, And maybe you'd even buy it later. So you had them all in one place. I don't know. Or or you thought, wow, she's giving me so much free things. If this is a way I can support her, great. Right. You know, there's, it's just it's like a this is one of my core values and it infuses my mission and it infuses right the people that are attracted to me. That's what happens. And lots of skeptical people come to me I think in the beginning because you're always kind of waiting, right? You're waiting. Uh and then the shoe doesn't drop. I don't do that. So that's how we build our trust together. And that's a core value though. Um, my other core value is that I love every single person who who's listening right now. I do I feel it I sit here before I do record. I think of how much I love you I think of how grateful I am to be here. I think of how excited I am to share I I love when people write in and we get topic ideas. I mean It just feels really good I really feel part of a global community in another way and that fills my friggin heart I'm the one who makes out for this podcast not you <laughs> <laughs> it really is me. It, it's, it's a, uh, it's a joyous, joyous thing. Look, I'm crying. Here I go again. It's a very joyous thing. <clears throat> now I have to take a sip of water so I don't cry. You see me on YouTube? You'll see the glassy eyes. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so maybe your values are that we always give back to our community. Uh, and find ways to be involved or be the center of our community, even, you know, whatever your values are, you have to know what they are. So those three questions, super duper important and will be your true North will help you. When the two of you are in an argument about a decision, you just go to the, to your value statement, you go to your mission, you go to your client, you say, what, that will give you the answer. Of what you're doing so much of the time of whether you should give something for free or whether you should charge or whether you should even do so, offer something you're thinking of offering if you're whenever i'm offering something i never in my head think i'm gonna oh it's to make money i my first thought is what people are asking for i'm creating like a boundaries i think it's gonna be a masterclass. i haven't decided what it's gonna be it's gonna be like boundaries made easy right you know, because people ask about boundaries so frigging much. And I was like, oh, I should put something together for that. So yeah, I hope to make money on that. I will make money on that. I, and you should be happy I'm making money on that. The more money I make on that, the more I do <laughs> more fabulous podcasts I do. It's and, but I'm helping people, that, that was the first inkling. I wasn't trying to go, ooh, what can I make money on? Let me try to think of something. Everyone was already telling me, these are things we need. So I'm like, hey, let me give it, and this is perfect. Do you see where I'm going here? Okay, sorry. Rule number five, <laughs> we're at rule number five. We're almost there. i met you my nose, sorry. Rule number five, and this is something I've spoke, spoken about? Is spoken a word? I've talked about before. I want you to have a weekly couples home meeting. Okay? And I used to call this the couples business meeting, but because we're talking about business and work, it's going to get very confusing. So, <laughs> I will link to the po- the podcast that I did, the episode I did, and if you look in the if you search on the website, if you search couples business meeting, you will get to that old one I did, which was excellent. Um and or and or the blog if you'd rather read. But, and I have a checklist that you can download from that, um, for the weekly business meeting. And you know what? I'm going to put that in, tell you what, you don't even have to go there. I will put it on the show notes page here. The couple's business meeting, you will be something you can download the little description of how to have it. Okay. There's the love. But basically what I want you to do is have a schedule a meeting every week in the beginning. And then you can go to like every other week if you want Every week where you talk about the your home business, you know, your your home life, sorry, the, the business of running a family, right? I mean your personal life. Sorry, I should use the right word. This is a where you talk about all the personal stuff. So uh it's a it I never I say never make it more than an hour. Really, it should be a half hour to 45 minutes. And it's where, where like when my kids well, we we still have it. Okay. So what you do is you get like a Google Doc or something that you share. It could be notes in your... It should be something that you can share, like a Google Doc. But I do have um, people that just keep it in Word, you know, a Word document. I don't really care. And because there's many moving pieces in any family, and it's easy... Uh, it becomes very easy to seem like we're always nagging each other, right? Hey, did you fix that leaky faucet yet? Hey, the the lawn still needs to be mowed. Are you taking, you know, Sally to basketball practice, whatever, right? We have all these things that we're always talking about. Oh, we have to talk about summer camps. You know, we got to talk about our vacation. We got to uh So what happens is that stuff, if you don't want that number one, And I say this to couples who don't have a business together, but especially when you have a business together, because what I find is that the business leaks into the home life, but the home life also leaks into the business, right? And so you end up talking about these things because you notice them, especially if you're physically working from home together, you just notice that the light bulb blew out in the other room and you can't reach it without the ladder. And maybe your partner always gets the ladder and does those light bulbs because they're better at it. I don't know. But instead of going in and saying, oh, hey, by the way, (laughs) or instead of worrying that you're going to forget otherwise, you have this Google Doc. You just go over and you put it in and you know that on Saturday when you meet, which you do every Saturday, that it'll be there and you'll talk about it then. If it's an emergency, obviously, if a pipe burst in the house, you're going to talk about that no matter what right away. But I'm talking about all the other things that really can wait. The leaky faucet can wait. Everything can wait. And what's great... Is that instead of having what seems like a constant stream of nagging, you'll have one time and place to discuss all these individual things, to really sit and focus and remember the mindfulness, right? Mindfulness is huge. And so when you're mindful and you're talking about things, we're in this space, we're ready to talk about money or finances or we're, you know about summer camp or, or how much we want to spend on vacation or who's going to make the calls for it or who's going to um, schedule the the flights or whatever, right? You come together at a time when you know you're going to talk about it when you're both in the right headspace, you know, maybe you have some, maybe it's over breakfast, you're eating, you know, you're in a good space. So you have your partner's full attention, right? I I had, (laughs) this was a little while ago now, but I had a guy who asked his wife to bake something for the office Christmas party while she was doing, like, all these other things. And I can't remember right now what all the other things were. But literally, she was in the middle of, like, like coaching her kids' soccer game or something. I mean, it was something, like, major. And he he had this thing and he was like, Oh, Hey. And then of course she didn't remember. And then he was like, I told her. And then, you know, the day before the party, he's like, Oh, you didn't make this or the day of the party, whatever it was. He's like, you didn't make the stuff. And she's like, what are you talking about? Oh my. And then she kind of remembered that he said something, you know, anyway, everyone's annoyed. Nothing happens. It's not efficient. It's not a good way to go. So but if you do it during this little thing, you can actually ask the other person when they're calm, they're ready to respond. They can look at their schedule, they can put it in, they can you know problem solve with you. Maybe they can't even do it, but they can problem solve together. That you can order, you know, things from the local deli or whatever. You know, you can you again are like a team, which is so wonderful instead of like dividing and conquering, which I don't I don't like all the divide and conquer talk. Uh, you don't have to worry about forgetting something this way, something important because again, you'll stop what you're doing. Take a quick second to update your shared agenda or Google doc or wherever you have it, or make a note in your phone that you're going to put in later, however you do it for what you're going to discuss at the next meeting. And there's accountability this way. You know, there's a way that you track it and you make sure the next time you meet, you see what's done and what isn't. It's just a really great way but every, I mean, every couple I've had who's done this has reported great success <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and it really helps you keep what's happening at work separate than what's happening at home. You're going to feel less overwhelmed, more efficient. You're going to be happier overall. The a couple's, like a personal meeting is huge. And again, I will... Uh, have the little handout, which is going to say "couples business meeting," so don't get confused. I'm not going to redo the handout for you, but I, <laughs> with a new title. But but that is what it is, and it just gives you all the little things that I just said, but in a condensed way. And I, I say some other stuff in there too. And you can go listen to that podcast. Um, and I want to wrap up. I just want to end by saying that there's a lot of positive outcomes, or can be, for couples who work together. And I've seen it over and over. And so, you know, working towards a common goal, so cool, really understanding your partner on a different level, including, you know, their struggles, their strengths, everything. You just get to know them differently. You get to see them differently. You get to celebrate victories together. You get to be there when there's a loss together and hold their hand or they hold yours. Or you hold each other. Uh, you Like I said earlier, you can see one another during the lunch, you know, during the day for lunch. You can even have a quickie. To have a little sex in the middle of the day when nobody's home. What a good time, depending on your setup. <laughs> um, don't do that at WeWork, obviously. Uh, and there's even research showing that starting a business together can provide significant income gains for the couple. That was something in a Harvard Business Review I read. I'll link to that in the show notes too. So there's lots, there can be lots of benefits, but the key is to set things up for success. And I I just have to say these five rules I'm giving you will absolutely positively point you in the right direction. And you know, above all else, I, I yearn for your success. I yearn for your happiness. I yearn for you to know and see that you absolutely, even if things have been hard, even if the two of you fight a lot, you can turn that around. I will also recommend uh, a lot of times in when couples work together, there's a lot of control issues, <laughs> I say with love, because I am a control enthusiast, and I did do a couple podcasts on control, which I will link to also. I did one on what to do if your partner's controlling, and I did one on what to do with your own control issues. Again, you could always search for control on the website, but I'll also link to those in the show notes. We did it. Woo! Another one another one done. I love having this time with you. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing and I just love that we're together. I so appreciate that you write in, that you ask questions. Please keep doing that. Abby at abbymedcalf.com or you can go to the Let's Connect page on the website. I love hearing from you about uh, things you love about the podcast or how it's helping you. It really makes my day and helps keep me motivated and, uh, just excited and enthusiastic. And it really, oh, and I forward these sometimes to my um, the pe- my assistants, people work with me so they can see how we're changing lives. I mean, it's, it's very cool. It's really cool. So I'm sending lots of love to you this week. I am sending joy, ease. I'm really feeling that right now for you to have an incredible week. And I'll see you real soon. I love you, love you. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is gonna help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just wanna say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you, anything. You can email me at abby at com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymedcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.